0: Enjoy, uh, join us in this. with Faith Promise Sunday. We have uh, asked uh, Terry and Marcia Peretti to come. They were uh, with us last year, and uh, I-, I am so blessed uh, to have uh, had uh, Terry and Marcia here several times. Jill and I were so blessed when we were in Italy and got to spend time with them. Uh, they are a precious couple who have served the Lord all of their lives, have been faithful, and we are blessed to have them this morning. God bless you, Terry, and Marsh as you come.
1: a privilege to be here again today. We were here uh, last year as pastor said and enjoyed fellowship with you and a good lunch and uh, your missions convention and missions has always been on our heart because we were missionaries in Italy for 39 years. But uh, I see there's some posters up here that tell about our new um, our new state. We have retired from uh, being missionaries to Italy But now we are missionaries to these people who live in the state of Washington. These people here, you can find them in their various countries, but you can also find them in the state of Washington. And they need Jesus. They really do. Uh, Immigration is, there's just so many people over here, and we can have... uh, Various attitudes, one of them being, I'm scared to death about all the um, immigrants coming in. Or we can say, can we reach them for the Lord? And that's our goal. Our goal is to help see churches planted that will meet the people that live in the state of Washington that need Jesus. And our, our new title is called Intercultural Ministry Facilitators. My goodness, that sounds important. But all that means is that we are encouraging churches to reach out to the various nationalities that live in your neighborhood and uh, to see new churches planted that will reach these people as well. And God bless you. Congratulations on $49,000 given to World Missions. Bless you for that. And you know what? God truly will bless you for that. He truly will, because that's his heart. Um, Dave Cole, who is one of our officials, says he goes to bed every night and he asks himself the question, have I done anything today to push back the darkness? And that should be the question we ask. Have I done anything today that will push back the darkness? And so I'm so thankful that that goal is on your minds as well. God bless you. Amen.
2: And I just want to say, wow, forty nine thousand. Uh, praise God for that. That is a tremendous goal, and that means that every one of you have given to missions this year. And uh, and I, you know, I think that is fantastic. And you know what? That also demonstrates that this church has depth. Has a deep bench, as we say in the sports world, and uh, and it's strong, and I praise God for that. A missionary church is a strong church. Hallelujah! What What do you want me to do right now, Brian? And, and am I supposed to preach or answer questions or, or what? Okay. What about this texting stuff? Is that at eleven thirty? All right. Okay. <laughs> I have a gift for you. This is a gift, and it's a book that I wrote called Spiritual Fatherhood. There's a few copies on the table where Marcia is sitting there. And you can take it home with you, and you say, Well, I don't need a book on spiritual fatherhood. Well, uh, this, I think you do. And um, <laughs> and it just is a book that I wrote in Italy, and um, it just um, it gives you the what to do and what not to do as a father. Just, just some good old sound advice, horse sense. On being a good father, so uh, there it is uh, over there on the, in the table, and uh, it's 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 been published and printed in Albanian, published and printed in, in Italian, but I uh, and I just have a few copies in English. So I, I just want you to have that as a gift for uh, for what you do for World Missions and what you've done for us over the years. We love you and really really appreciate you. Today's Faith Promise Sunday, and uh, what that means is you say to God, Lord, if you supply the need. Uh, you know, the, the extra $100 a month, whatever it is, uh, I'll give it to you for missions. That's what faith promise means. If you give it to me, Lord, I'll give it. If, 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 I, can, if I can receive that money, I'll give it to you. And uh, I can say uh, uh, with my wife that, uh, yes, we give our tithe, and then also we give uh, another tithe to, to missions, to all kinds of other ministries. And so it's just a habit of life. I think that's what Pentecostals do. Pentecostals—they—they uh, they dedicate uh, their finances to the Lord, and and I can say as a missionary, and as we were home missions way back in the dark ages, uh, and then we were missionaries overseas for almost forty years, and now we're ministering as missionaries in the Northwest Ministry Network, and God has always supplied. I've always had food to eat, and uh, money to pay the light bill, and God has always supplied, and uh, and I know He blesses uh, He blesses in so many different ways, and You bless your children as well. Um, let me take a look uh, with you at uh, Acts chapter 8, and you probably have it on your phone or your iPad or whatever, and since I'm a, I'm a missionary, I have I have my Kindle and my, my phone uh, in my briefcase. I've got all my digital Bibles with me, but a- as a missionary, I've always ha- have the habit of holding up the, the paper book because I want to see. Uh, I want the Hindus and the Muslims and the Buddhists and everybody to see exactly where my where the authority comes from, and so that 's why I use the paper book, uh, when, especially when i 'm preaching uh, to uh, evangelistic crowd so anyway, here it is, chapter eight of the book of Acts uh, we find um, we find Philip, this evangelist who spoke Greek and uh, he 's uh, he's in his bed and he 's probably sleeping, and he probably got got to bed late at night because he had a house full of, of of daughters he had four daughters and uh, You know, when you have four daughters and a wife, you probably have to stand in line or take a number to be able to use the bathroom. And so, yeah, I'm sure that Philip had to have his own private restroom somewhere else. So that's the kind of household that Philip had. He was a family man. And so he finally got to sleep, and he's in bed, and then the Holy Spirit wakes him up and gives him a message. And this is what we find in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Let's see wait a minute. I, excuse me. I think it's Acts chapter 10. The Samaritan. Wrong chapter. Philip was in chapter eight as well. Where is it? It's chapter chapter eight, isn't it? Eight, five. Eight five where Philip goes down, he has to get up in the middle of the night and go down. Oh, here it is. Twenty, yeah, just like you said. Twenty-six. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place." And he rose and went, and there was uh, an Ethiopian a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Whoa. And was uh, was returning, uh, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, get up, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me, someone explains it to me? And he he invited Philip to come up into the chariot with him and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before the shearer is silent, so, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, uh, does this prophet talk about? Is he talking about himself, or is he talking about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to a a body of water, something like this lake that you have out here, North Lake. And he said, "Uh, here's some water. What do you think? What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to, to stop. He had a driver. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried away Philip, and the eunuch went on and saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church, Northlake. I thank you for the faithfulness of this crowd of people, Lord. Thank you for the depth of this bench, the depth of this church to, to finance missions the way they do, and to have a vision for this uh, growing community out here in Camas. Lord, I pray that you will bless the pastor and his wife and the staff and Everyone sitting here today, and Lord, if there's someone here this morning that needs healing in their body, healing in their back, I just pray that your hand will be extended upon them and that you will heal in Jesus' holy name. In your holy name, Jesus, may it be done. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, here we have the biblical story. In fact, I was, uh, I was noticing the words of one of your worship songs that, uh, that uh, uh, Spencer was leading. I will call upon your name. That's what we do every day, isn't it? I keep my eyes above the waves. I am yours and you are mine. Well, here's the problem with most people in the world. I will call upon your name. Well, it says in Romans chapter 10, how shall they call upon him of whom they have not heard? How can they call upon the name of Jesus if they don't know who Jesus is? How can they keep their eyes above the waves if they don't know who to look upon? And They need to hear about Jesus Christ, and that's why we have Missions Week. And uh, Marcia was telling you about the, uh, well, we've got a world out there to evangelize, and we praise God for missions in the, of the Assemblies of God. You know, the Assemblies of God was founded for this reason. You know, not to become a big club, you know. Hey, we're Assemblies of God, and we're a cool club. No, that's not the reason we were founded. The reason we were founded is that people back in the early 1900s, that was before uh, Bill Fluke and I were born. (laughs) That was way back in the early 1900s when people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. And they thought to themselves, I mean, these were Lutherans, these were Methodists, these were Baptists, these were Presbyterians, they're from all all of these uh, traditional churches, and they said, Oh, now we've got this gift of speaking in other tongues, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they just had fire in their bones. And they said, What are we supposed to do with this? And so they got together in a city called Hot Springs, Arkansas. And they said, Now what? They said, Well, I guess what this means is that we are to take the gospel to the ends of the earth because it says in Acts chapter 8, chapter 1, verse uh, 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be witnesses in in Jerusalem and Judea and uh, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so they said, hey, I tell you what, what we need to do is organize because we can't send missionaries out uh, around the world unless we gather our churches together and we support missions as a body, as a fellowship, as a team, and then we'll send missionaries out and let's make it our goal to see the greatest effort of evangelism that the world has ever seen. And that was, the, that was the, why the Assemblies of God was established. So when you think of Assemblies of God, remember this. We are a missionary organization. We want to see the greatest missionary effort, the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. And we thank God for that. Uh, now, and it's by the Spirit of God. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. So, um, so we send missionaries around the world so that they can hear the name of Jesus. Well, now, what's happening? Did you know there are more believers in Africa than there are in the continent of Europe? Did you know there are more believers in Latin America than there are in North America? There are more Pentecostals in Latin America than there are in the, the United States of America. So you see, much of the world is being evangelized. I had the privilege of sitting on a, on, on a bus. I was in, in India uh, for the World Conference of the Assemblies of God, and, and so they were putting us on buses to go from one point to another. And I get on this bus, and I'm with my Italian brothers, and I'm sitting next to a, to a Korean. I thought, oh, cool, Korean. And so I turned over, and, and I said, uh, you're from Korea, and he says, "Yes." And I said, uh, "Great move of God over there, right? God is good." I said, "Just to tell me, uh, how, how is the Pentecostal Church? The you know, uh, you know, because over there even Presbyterians are Pentecostal." I said, uh, "How is the Pentecostal Church in uh, in Korea?" God is good. I said, "Well, how many are you?" He says, "Well, in the Assemblies of God, we are ten million." And I said, "Oh." God is good. <laughs> well, tell, tell, me, tell me how many people live in South Korea. 25 million. Are you telling me that almost half of South Korea is Pentecostal? Yes, God is good. And so I bought a Kia. That's the car I drive. I figured that Kia is probably built by Pentecostals. <laughs> you know, so that's to give you an idea. Now you come to the state of Washington now you come to the state of Washington, which is the uh, the most one of the most unchurched states, or the state of Oregon, one of the most unchurched, unreached areas in North America. There are more believers in Korea or Brazil or or many of these African countries. There are more believers in Burkino Faso than there are in the state of Washington. So now the mission field has transferred also to the home front, and. We are called not only to send overseas, and please do, that's, that's, you got, we've got to keep sending missionaries overseas. Marcia and I support missionaries overseas. But we've also got to meet the need right here. Yeah. So here we got this, uh, this story in, in uh, Acts chapter 10. And I, I think it's very interesting because it explains our situation. In Jerusalem, how many believers lived in Jerusalem in, the, in, in uh, Acts chapter 10? More than 5,000 men. More than 5,000. That's a lot of people. And uh, that's not counting all the wives and all the kids and all the teenagers. And uh, that was Acts chapter 5, there were 5,000. And so who knows by Acts chapter 10 how many there were. And if you've ever, how many have you ever been to Jerusalem? You ever been, yeah, you've been to Jerusalem? You've been to Jerusalem? Not yet? Uh, Okay. Okay, go to Jerusalem, you know. Spend a thousand bucks for a round trip ticket and fly over there. Get off of Tel Aviv, get a bus. It only costs you about eight bucks for a taxi from a, with these buses up to Jerusalem and stay there. And walk through the old city. You can walk through the ancient city of Jerusalem in about twenty minutes. All right, you can walk clear across town. Twenty minutes. All right. Put five thousand believers in that area. I think it would be pretty much impossible back in those days to walk through the city, of, uh, the city of Jerusalem without bumping into some Pentecostal somewhere, all right? So here you got this African coming up to uh, Jerusalem, and it says here he probably came on government business as well. You know, he was the, you know, he was the treasurer of the country of Ethiopia, and uh, so he had a big carriage and horses and armed guards probably, and he sat up in the chariot, and, you know, he was a big dude. And... Um, he came into Jerusalem, but it says here specifically, he came to Jerusalem to worship. He knew that there was a God, and he was the God of Israel. But he did not know who he was or what his name is. You see? And so he spent who knows how long in the city of Jerusalem walking around. And by some miracle, he was able to find a Bible, and he bought a copy of the Septuagint, a copy of the Old Testament in Greek, and so he gets in his, in his chariot, probably a Mercedes Benz back in those days, <laughs> and he's, he's got, you know, I mean, there's other seats in this chariot, and uh, he's heading back to Gaza, going home, and here I believe the Holy Spirit was just a little bit annoyed, I, I you know, I would almost like to say the Holy Spirit was a little ticked but I don't know if the Holy Spirit gets ticked. Maybe maybe he does. Because here's a guy that spent a week or two walking in Jerusalem at the birthplace of Pentecost, and not one person took the time to talk to that African foreigner because he was dressed different, because he probably spoke a different language, because he had a different color of skin. And so Philip is, uh, he's in bed, and and the Holy Spirit of this angel says, get up, Philip. Run. Go. Run to Gaza. And if you look at the map, there's a long ways. I mean, that's a long run from uh, Israel to Gaza. And so he had to get up, and he was probably a young man in good shape, you know, very in you know, good shape like Brian. and He just gets up, and I mean, he just starts running. He takes off, and he goes, and he goes, and he goes, and he gets down on that Gaza strip, and he's looking around, and Spirit probably told him, okay, just stay there and wait. And then all of a sudden, he saw this chariot, this big chariot lumbering down the road with a bunch of horses and a bunch of guards. And he thought, I wonder if that's the guy. And uh, he heard this guy reading scripture. Hey, do you know what you're reading? No, I don't. I'm trying to figure it out. Come on up here in the chariot. Sit down with me and try and explain. How am I going to know unless someone explains it to me? And just at that point in time, this Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah chapter 53, where it talks about he was bruised for our iniquities, you know. And on him were the sins of all the world, our sins. And all all of us like sheep had gone astray, but the Lord put upon him the iniquity of us all. Oh, what a beautiful story. And there's this real intelligent guy. I mean, this guy was intelligent. He, he looks at Philip and says, who is this talking about? And Philip says, it's talking about Jesus. Who's Jesus? And Philip had the privilege of explaining to this man who Jesus is. And immediately he was willing and ready to accept Jesus Christ. And that Ethiopian eunuch, for the very first time in his life, heard the name of Jesus. Marcia and I have had that experience overseas of talking to people in Albania, Muslims who had never heard, the Jesus, never heard the name of Jesus or never knew who Jesus was. And there's no greater joy. I've had the privilege of preaching in a downtown church, English-speaking church in Rome for five years and having people come in off the street, Muslims and Buddhists, and for the very first time they heard the name of Jesus. For the very first time they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they were willing to receive There was a, we have a, can you believe it? We've got about four districts in our Northwest Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. Hey, what are you talking about? Well, now this is for the glory of God, all right? And you don't need to publish this, all right? All right, I won't publish it. Gonzaga University did a a religious study of the state of Washington. And they discovered that... um, Besides the Catholic Church, the, the, the largest religious organization in the state of Washington is the Assemblies of God. And uh, I love my Catholic friends, but uh, if, but most of the churches are not full on Sunday morning. They need Jesus. Um, what we've got is we've got our churches, Northwest Ministry Network, but we've also got the Slavic District. We've got the Hispanic District. <laughs> And so all these districts are overlaid on this same geographical area. So I mean, there are a lot of people in here. The Slavics invited me last week. The Russians and Ukrainians. Hey, brother Terry, I said, yeah, hi, Victor. You come and teach at our Bible school. "Uh, Your Bible school. Yeah, we have a Bible school in Tacoma. "Uh, You have a Russian Bible school in Tacoma. Yes, praise God, we have Russian Bible school in Tacoma. I said, what am I supposed to teach? Oh, we have 30, 40 students. I want, we want you to teach spiritual gifts. All right, so that's what I'm going to do next month, teach spiritual gifts to Russians in Tacoma. I mean, I—I who I mean, would ever thunk that I would be teaching spiritual gifts to a bunch of Russians in Tacoma? And, uh, and then we, we met with the Germans. Germans. Is anybody here a German? Oh, yeah, there's one right there. Could you believe we've got German district as well? I didn't even know. I thought that all Germans, you know, I didn't, I, I you know, I know they eat Wiener Schnitzel and everything, you know, but I never imagined that we would have an overlapping district of Germans uh, assemblies of God, and so they invited us. And the the German pastor, they're native born Germans. They have a church in Tacoma, uh, Valley View Christian Center, it's called, and. Uh, I mean, I mean you walk you drive up this little little road on the south side of Tacoma, and there's little trees and, and there's German signs. I thought I was in Bavaria. <laughs> and he told the story of another German pastor. This German pastor would go to the gas station there in Tacoma. And there at the at the gas station was a man from Iraq. And this Iraqi would pump his gas and say, Someday you come to my house. And the German pastor said, okay, you know, it's it's just, you know, go to his, you know, it's just something would, you know, it, it seems kind of out of the ordinary. I go to his house. I don't really know him. He wants me to come to his house. You know, so he was a little standoffish. And this went on for about two years. He'd go there to the gas station. This Iraqi would give him gas. Someday you come to my house. Well, okay, someday. Well, just before this German pastor was to transfer to another part of the country, he said, you know, and he was pushed by the Holy Spirit, why don't you go to his house? So he went to the gas station to get that last fill up, and he says, I, I'd like to come to your house, my wife and I. Yeah, you come to our house. You can have couscous, you know. So this German pastor and his wife, <laughs> these are Germans in Tacoma, all right, going to a house of Iraqis in Tacoma. So they get there, and the Iraqi says, tell us about your God, Jesus. And that German pastor, he was... He was convicted of the Holy Spirit. For two years, this man had invited him to his house. And this man said, the reason I wanted to invite you is I need to know who is this Jesus. And nobody will talk to me. Nobody will come close to me. I need to know who your God is. So here you got a German leading Iraqi to the Lord in Tacoma. And my question is, whose responsibility is it? I mean, was it really the German that had? To? <laughs> well, yeah, the Lord used the German. But, I mean, there are also American believers, aren't there? I mean, aren't we around here too? Aren't we supposed to be doing our job? And we need to talk to these people and not be afraid of them. Don't be intimidated by them. And just give them a smile and a handshake and just say, Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And just plant that seed, plant the seed of the gospel. Amen. Well, this Ethiopian said, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, nothing that I can see. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? as your Savior and Lord. He says, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And so, Philip, they found a nice lake down here. I tell you, I want to come, I want to come by here some summertime when you have baptismal services. <laughs> um, yeah, I like to see that. If they have a, a beach down there, I don't know. And um, as you baptize people in that pond for the glory of God. Amen. So uh, I just pray right now. Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity. Wow, there's so much more that can be done. And as long as we have health and strength, Lord, and life, we're going to be used. We want to be used of you, Lord. Thank you for this precious church, this precious group of believers and for the faith they have to give to world missions to support these missionaries around the world. Continue to support them. Uh, continue to support these believers who support missionaries, I pray. And again, I pray, if you will, I pray that you will minister each one's life this morning for healing, for encouragement in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. It's 1130, Brian.
0: Okay, yeah, what we would like to do uh, is uh, have, if, Marsha, if you could come back up, if you're, if you're there, and we're, we're just going to allow you to text in your questions just for a moment, uh, or you can hand out. There's uh, also uh, pieces of paper for you to write on. If you'll pass them to the front, we'll make sure that you uh, uh, get those but i thought it would just be another great opportunity i know so many of you said that it was uh, just uh, uh just a wonderful thing to be able to ask a question and get it answered and so we want you to be able to do that so uh please if you have something you'd like to ask uh text it in if you've all written a, if you've written a question please make sure i get it pass it forward here uh before while we're waiting to do that let me uh let me find out how many of you have uh, actually uh, read your statistics and facts. Did everybody do that? Now don't grab them on the table. We got to do it. The, we got to do it first the other way. Okay. Uh, for for someone that read, let's see how close you can get to it. In the assemblies of God, one new believer is added every what? Raise your hand, Steve. That is correct, right on the button. (laughs) That is correct. Okay, Uh, I'm going to do another uh, statistic that uh, is really (laughs) an amazing thing. Of uh, all of the people that have come to the Lord in the assemblies of God and are serving Him, who can give me, without looking at your... Yeah, look at everybody! Grab that. Let's do without first. Then, if you don't know the answer, I'll let you look. Okay? Uh, how many of you know what is the largest area? What we we broke it into areas: of the United States, Europe, Eurasia, all those areas. Who knows what is the largest area of AG constituents in the world? Raise your hand. Ooh, I think it was Bob. That's incorrect. That no, incorrect. That is correct. Who said it? (laughs) Okay, come up, grab your card. (laughs) Listen to this statistic. I want to read this one to you. Terry, Terry already mentioned this, but listen to this. Listen to it this way: that your our fellowship started as a result of us wanting to take the gospel to the world. Now, we can either be discouraged, but I think we need to be encouraged by this because there's a whole lot more out in the world population-wise that need to be reached than here in the States. Not that I want to see God move in our country, and I'm believing for it again. But listen to this statistic. 95% 95% of the Assembly of God constituents worship in a church outside of the United States. That's right. wow. 95%. That's awesome. Uh, and, and that is what we're talking about that is not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit that things get done. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I'm just going to look here, see if we have. Yes, we do. Okay. Please explain your ministry more in depth right now that you are doing. Explain it just a little bit more in depth of what you're actually doing among this uh, ministry. Go ahead.
2: All right, and Marcia, interrupt me anytime. Okay. Uh, what we, the uh, the Northwest Ministry Network, uh, when we uh, got close to uh, the age of 65. I think only Bill Fluke and I are about that age, and um, they asked us, when you when you transfer back to the states, you're too uh, too healthy and too strong to, to retire, retire, so we're going to just have you retread. <laughs> so uh, what we're doing is uh, we work with ethnic churches in the Northwest Ministry Network, helping them to get established, because helping them to get incorporated, they have to be incorporated with the state of Washington so they can have uh, tax deductions when they give uh, their tithes and offerings. Uh, they need to have accountability, and so that's why they belong to the Fellowship of the Assemblies of God. We have 23, right now, 23 ethnic churches in the state of Washington who are in process of being coming up, incorporated with the Assemblies of God of the Northwest uh, Ministry Network. Uh, Chinese, um, Burmese, uh, we have uh, a Kenyan church, uh, Samoan church, um, Filipino churches, <laughs> and then we also... We have like, these other districts that are also asking for our help, like the Russians and the Hispanics. We have 13 Hispanic churches. Oh, and don't forget the Germans. Can't forget the Germans. <laughs> Can't forget the Germans. And I'm yeah, and I'm preaching at their convention. That's right. So, does that help? Is that is that enough? Uh, that, I don't know. That, that, we're on the road about uh, you know, about two or three Sundays a month uh, visiting these ethnic churches, and it's kind of interesting. We're visiting you today, but you're not ethnic; you're Anglo. It, 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 we'll just it ca- is, we'll count you.
0: It is surprising if you do if you haven't noticed already uh, over the last twenty years how, especially in the state of Washington, has just been a magnet for other people groups, yes. and uh, that that's the amazing thing. In the last twenty years, it has just exponentially taken a, a huge jump, and uh, that that is why we need uh, ministry right here in the state. Go ahead, Marcia. Um,
1: I was just going to say that um, some of the immigrants who are coming over are already trained. Uh, they've already been to Bible school in their own countries. Uh, they've already been ordained in their own countries, some of them, but um, they're nobody here, and it's sad to be nobody, um, and so to belong is a very comforting thing and we want to help them belong and at the same time train new people and what better
0: place for them to belong because they're pentecostal than the assemblies of god
2: that's right and they are bringing revival to the northwest you know uh there's a a group of filipinos got together in SeaTac and they started out just a small group now there's a a filipino assembly of god church in SeaTac that numbers 500 people and Praise they are now in process of launching three other churches, and they're meeting other Asians and African Americans. And, and uh, we have uh, the same thing happening with uh, Indonesian church and uh, other Filipino Lord. churches. Awesome. 30% of the city of Seattle is foreign-born. 30% of the city is foreign-born. Wow. And, uh, and fertile uh, ground. Uh, Seattle doesn't know what's coming. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, I, l- this really needs to encourage us. God's not finished until he says, go get my people. I understand. I know I I sometimes have to disconnect. Uh, And I've talked to several people about this from the news because, you know, I want to keep informed. I want to know what's happening. But nothing trumps God's promises. We sang it today.
2: Use the right doesn't word. Doesn't
0: matter what I feel. Doesn't matter what I see. What are you believing for your neighbors, for your community, for for uh, North Lake Church? I'm believing for God to send revival. Amen. I'm believing for God to move. Amen. God still is uh, able,
2: and we need to be ready until He comes. Amen. Yeah, there's the kingdom of God, which is greater than the the kingdoms of this world. And uh, Pastor, you. Uh, you touched on something important. We, have to, we need to listen to the news, but we also have to realize that we're a part of the kingdom of God. That's right. We're, and we, we're not, as Christians, we're not here to uh, to do all the laws of the land. We'll let the politicians do the laws of the land. But we have about at least four churches of illegal immigrants. Our job is not to uh, send them home. Our job is to evangelize them. Yeah. And we have uh, three Hispanic churches in the Okanagan Valley that work hard. I mean, all those people are working hard. They're picking apples. Uh, and they're being paid uh, decently. And uh, I don't know why, it's so de- it's so why some can get all the documents to live in the country if they work at Microsoft, but if you pick Apple's, it's much harder to get your documents. But uh, we're not going to worry about that. We're just going to preach the gospel to whoever's there. Amen. And pray. Amen. All right, another statistic.
0: Please. Yeah, but look at that. You guys are so good, you didn't even reach for them. <laughs> That's good. Who can tell me the closest of the statistic for when a new church is planted in the Assemblies of God. How long before one church is planted? 56 minutes, 51 minutes. It's close. <laughs> 50, 54, we're going to give it to her. <laughs> Every 54 minutes, a church is planted in our fellowship around the world. That's exciting. Amen. Amen. All right, any other questions? Anybody have a question? You, you can write it down if you don't have texting. Here comes another one in. Okay, can a person go overseas to help for a time to help build a church or a house uh, or, or homes or uh, farm? Not sure exactly, but can a person go overseas to help for a time to help build a church or our home's uh, farm?
2: Yeah, it's, well, short-term missions is, um, is very active in the Assemblies of God. There are places out there where you can go, especially in the third world where they need people to help build um, or medical uh, bring uh, medical uh, help. Um, it's a lot more difficult in Europe to be able to build or anything because they, you know, their building is so much more advanced. But there are many places in the world where you can be of help. And, uh, and the thing to do is to tie in with a missionary somewhere because uh, if you go into a country that doesn't speak English, there's not much you can do. You can't communicate unless you have a missionary there with you. So uh, look through our minist- uh, uh, the programs and the Assemblies of God for short-term missions and apply, and uh, there are places to go. And they,
1: they really, um, the Assemblies of God, really would like you to go through them for insurance policies. If something happens to someone overseas, the Assemblies of God could be sued and this church could be closed down. Um, So if you go through their program, they will insure you or see to it that you have insurance if you get sick over there, if there's a car accident. So go through the program and be safe. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And the insurance is only $3 a day. In fact, Marcia and I are going to Italy. Uh, in the end of August for two weeks, and we'll be insured $3 a day by the Assemblies of God. Yeah.
0: It really is. If, if you're going to do something, and uh, other than, again, just flying out there by yourself, which uh, I just don't recommend, uh, it is great to have a covering. And the Assemblies of God has made it uh, very uh, easy for you if you're wanting to give your life to part uh, for missions even if it's not a full-time career uh, missionary you can go and give your life a year or two or whatever and and uh, that's it's a great way to do it so if you're interested in that we can make sure that we connect you with the right uh, people and and program and so that you can understand it just a little bit better uh, okay. Obviously, your 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 finances maybe have changed since you have retired out from Italy. But can you tell us maybe a little bit about your financial needs? And then another question, uh, other than finances and prayer, is there another uh, best way that we can help? Is there another way that we can be involved?
2: Uh, financially, uh, we are we are living on social security. Uh, And then what happens is the churches that want to help us, they send in offerings to the Northwest Ministry Network online. You just go to giving, and then you scroll down to Terry Pretty and click, and then there's a little box that opens up, and, you know, $10 a month, $20, whatever, and then credit card. Um, So that's all the church does that. And um, and so so we are reimbursed for our gasoline, for our meals, and uh, travel expenses. Um, We don't receive any kind of a salary. But uh, we do uh, eventually going to have to buy a new car because we're running the legs off our car. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Things like that. So, um, and then as far as uh, oh, how you can help? We need. To, we don't know where all of these ethnic groups are, and maybe you've run into a, a, a pastor from another country that wants to start a Burmese church somewhere in Vancouver. I would like to. We would like to have his contact information. And, uh, and the best, and then if there is a, a group of uh, believers, foreign believers that, that, uh, that need a place to meet, um, if, you, if you can adopt them uh, into your church as part of your church, and they can maybe use a Sunday school room or something for their language group, but they can be part of your church, uh, that's the way you can help.
1: Great. They're always looking for places to meet, and that's our largest prayer request is where can the Koreans meet? Where can the different language group people meet? So that's, that's, that's a biggie. You have
2: to make clear agreement, you know, who's going to clean up and how much, you know, it's going to cost and who's going to turn the lights out and who's going to be responsible for the doors and everything. But, but you know, it can be done.
0: Okay, two questions. Uh, number one, how did God bring you to Italy? That one maybe, and then along with that, what is your best memory of God moving in a situation, in Italy on the field?
2: Well, uh, the way God called us was quite interesting. We were youth pastors just across the river on Burnside, uh, with Warren Bullock, and uh, you know I was I was we were happy there. We just wanted to stay there the rest of our lives, and all of a sudden I felt miserable in my stomach. God speaks to me through my stomach. And uh, I couldn't pray, I I just couldn't do anything, and I got on my knees in my office, and I said, God, what is it? I can't figure this out. I'm serving you, we're doing our best, and I feel miserable. And God gave me a vision from, uh, a vision. I saw Italy, and I saw Fiats, you know, little cars, uh, 500s going up and down the street, the old kind. Fiat is F-I-A-T, it means fix it again, Tony. And... and, and I saw Italians with, uh, with sad-looking faces, and God said, I want you to go to Italy to preach the gospel. And so I told uh, uh, my wife, she says, go pray again. I don't believe it. <laughs> and um, that was back in 1971. And we were youth pastors there, and, and God directed us to get ready for it and to prepare. We took us another five years to uh, to prepare and pastor to get the uh, you know the experience we needed, and we, we, re- we got our appointment in 1975. And uh, it was... a Request. It was it was an answer to prayer by the president of Northwest College back in the 40s, Henry Ness. He prayed that God would send some young person from the Northwest to Italy as missionaries because Italy had been a close country uh, for 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 centuries, and all the way through the 1940s, it was a close country to the gospel. And after World War II, it opened up, and Brother Ness helped the Italian assemblies of God to be formed and to find freedom. And so that's why the burden was there, and that's. And lo and behold, out of the blue, I I get the call. We get the call. So we We were there for 39 years. So, and then uh,
0: tell us a a story of God uh, miraculously moving or one of your stories where God really uh, showed up on the scene.
2: Oh, there are so many. Uh, I can think of... Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. I can think of one case where in 1980... Uh, we had a French boy. We started a Teen Challenge Center, and this French boy was demon-possessed, and uh, French Arab, and uh, he was so violent that we couldn't handle him in the center. He was beating up on the staff and chasing after the cook with a knife. and So I stuck him in the car, and I started driving him to the train station. I was fed up with him. And I says, I'm getting rid of you, kid, because you're just too much. We can't handle you. You're violent and all that. And he began to weep in the car, and he says oh, please pray, I, it's, I can't control myself, there's something in me that's disturbing me, don't send me away, please don't send me away, and so I'm a softie, and so I took him back to the Teen Challenge Center, and I understood, uh, talking with him, that he was demon-possessed, and I thought, oh, mamma mia, you know, and, because uh, I never took demon, you know, how to cast out demons 101 in university, <laughs> you know.
1: And we had just started the center, this was Teen Challenge at the very beginning in Italy,
2: and so uh, I, I, uh, I wasn't, didn't feel quite ready. I said, I tell you what, tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock in the chapel, Aisha, if you want to be delivered, come into the chapel, and we will pray for you and cast out that demon. So sure enough, uh, 8 o'clock the next morning, uh, and there was a lot of demonic activity during the night, windows and doors slamming and all that. And AISA and came in there trembling into the chapel, and there was me and two other workers, and we just uh, rebuked that demon in Jesus' name. And, and he fell to the ground and like he was dead, and he screamed and fell to the ground. His neck got big like this, and just veins popping out of his neck and veins popping out in his forehead. And, and he fell to the ground, and he looked like he was dead. And I looked to my, my coworkers, and I said, oh, no, we killed him. You know? <laughs> and um, so I touched him with my boot. I thought, oh, brother. <laughs> you know, no, what are we going to do? And, <laughs> and then he opened his eyes, and, um, and he smiled. And I could see the peace of God in his face, and I picked him up, and he was totally delivered from the demon power. And then about a week later, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. Well, after that was 1980, and he left and lived his life. We went on in our ministry, moved back to Rome, and in the year 2014, I was teaching Bible school in Rome, and I noticed the name of one of the students was the same last name as that French guy. And I asked that student, who are you, dear? you, You wouldn't be related to a... A French, a young French guy that was in my teen challenge, our teen challenge center in 1980. And he says, "Ayesha yeah, Burton, you wouldn't be related to him, would you?" And he said, "Yeah, uh, he's he's my father." So not only did this guy get delivered, uh, healed of demons, and all of that, but he grew and he got married and he had four kids and they're all serving God. And now his kid was in Bible school, preparing for the ministry. So. Praise well, the a, Lord. That's a testimony Hallelujah. Of 40 Amen. years
0: yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. We are, we're getting ready. I didn't see any more questions, and we're getting ready to, uh, to take an offering. Your offering, before we pray, after the offering, we'll pray, the offering, love offering this morning is for all of our missionaries that have come in over the week. So I want you to be aware of that. The love offering that we're getting ready to give is for all of our missionaries that we've been blessed to hear. But before you get ready to give, let's give our last two uh, cards away. Can somebody give me the closest number of how many Assembly of God ministers we have in the United States of America? You had your hand up first. No, higher. Anybody else? No. 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 Somebody know? I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of about 30, We're warm. Anybody else have it? No, less. 36? No, less. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do. Because this uh, you can look and the first person that puts their hand up, I'm going to call on you. your hand up, right there, (laughs) (laughs) 36,434 pastors, okay, last one, here's your last one, 36,000, oh, did they, (laughs) I heard 32, okay, last question, how many unreached people groups are in the continent of Africa? Now, let, let's, let's, let's wait. Let's, anybody else have a venture to guess before these <laughs> that we're looking at the statistic? Anybody have a guess? Unreached people groups. Less. 1, Less. 27. Twenty-seven. We're getting warm. 50 32. <laughs> That's real close. And without having to look, I'm going to give that one to you. It's 34. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Isn't this? Hasn't this been great? And and so before we pray over our food, uh, and before we do that, I want to pray over the Paredes. Thirty-four. Unreached people groups. (laughs) Thirty-four. Okay. (laughs) Can't believe it. (laughs) We're going to get ready to pray over Terry and Marcia and what God is doing through them now. We thank the Lord for all of our missionaries who have come. And uh, let's uh, also pray over our food. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I want to thank you for the Paredes who have given, Lord, their lives for your uh, mission field. And Lord, now after having uh, given themselves for your glory over in Italy, they again are yielding, Lord, themselves for your glory here uh, in the Northwest District. God, I pray that lord you would give them a just a blessing of your holy spirit that God, you would anoint them, Lord, as they go out to minister to these who have come to this state that need to be reached from other countries, other languages. God, I pray for a miraculous moving of your spirit, that your church would be built for your glory, and that as your word declares, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God, we pray for a moving of your spirit here in Washington State. Lord, it will not happen by might nor by power, but it will by the Spirit of the Lord. And we pray and ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we pray your blessing upon the meal that we are about to partake. We thank you, Lord, for all of those who have been involved in helping this happen. God, we praise you for everything you are doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. you. Yes, we're getting ready to receive the offering. If you would, while we're, uh, while we're uh, getting ready, if, if you guys would just go ahead and go to the tables, and if you have your offering, please give it, and then we'll dismiss our tables.